0: what's up everyone welcome to making the shift
1: where we listen to autistic voices
0: explore new therapy ideas
1: and share neurodiversity affirming methods and strengths-based approaches to support autistic kids
0: because we're not here to try and quote fix kids
1: we are here to love them embrace them and celebrate them for who they are i'm jesse Ginsburg, sensory integration trained slp founder of a top-rated speech therapy clinic in los angeles and creator of the Inside Out Sensory Certificate for SLPs.
0: And I'm Chris Winger, also known as Speech Dude, high school SLP and creator of the Dynamic Assessment for Social Emotional Learning. Are you ready to make the shift?
1: Let's do it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode nine. Of making the shift
0: nine episodes already it seems like time is flying right on by
1: that's right and if you've been following along you knew the last couple of days if you've been following along on Instagram you know the last couple of days I have not had a voice but I got some really good advice from people
0: and I've got a lot of peace at the house
1: <laughs> honestly I didn't realize how, <laughs> much, how much I talk and how little you talk sometimes because when you're deep in thought, <laughs> thinking about something, you know, you're just right. like, thinking. And I feel so bad for the baby because I'm like, he needs language simulation. And here I am because Chris leaves early in the morning. And I'm like, okay, well, I, do, I can't use my voice. How can I talk to the baby? So I'm like signing. And he was into it.
0: You know, yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to share too, as my brain was just wandering, I bet you that there's an assumption possibly because of my social media or just when jesse and i are on the show that i do a ton of talking but what we have come to find out that the past two days with jesse's voice being silent that things are really generally silent around the household
1: and boring maybe you could say
0: no, that's when like my brain is growing because I'm constantly thinking about things. Because like, I'm
1: not interrupting your train of thought.
0: <laughs> yeah, I have been getting so much done, you guys. It's like solitude leads to productivity. That is so true. Be
1: careful what you wish. <laughs>
0: yeah. That's but a lesson I s- I've learned. The
1: baby, I swear he's learning. Like in the bath, he always tries to stand up like babies do at that age. He's a little over a year. So I'm like, no, I'm signing the no sign and just giving him those eyes like, no, because, you know, in sign language, facial expressions are a huge part. Right. Right. It. absolutely. And he would just look at me back like, like, oh, my God, I like he knew it.
0: Right. Yeah. I've been seeing this in the body movements. We've uh, really kind of practiced some dance skills when there is not much talking. We resort to dancing. So we'll turn on some salsa music and
1: as evidenced by social media this week. <laughs>
0: <laughs> salsa music and cocoa melon. This is the blend of the two.
1: Yeah. Speaking of a motivation, because that's a fun one.
0: Yeah. There is a lot of motivation behind that. We could tie that directly into cocoa melon. I was noticing that um what is it, baby John? Yeah. Right. He's his dad is kind of in shape. And I was like, well, it's my motivation to get in <laughs> shape. I got to look like that guy. <laughs> Coco Melon dad is, is in shape for the summer. Making us all
1: look bad.
0: <laughs> Don't kind of cut down on myself a little bit. So I did 10 push push-ups. Baby saw um, what it takes to be intrinsically and extrinsically motivated. Let's talk about that.
1: There we go. So today we really wanted to talk about one of our very favorite topics. I would say this is like almost borderline obsession of ours. I think it's a great
0: thing to really be passionate about though, because it is something that applies to every aspect of one's life, whether you're a parent or a therapist or you're a business owner or you're someone that works at schools, it is ubiquitous amongst everything. And that's a big word. (laughs) <laughs>
1: but, yeah look
0: at you i know i was i was googling uh, some words, words to use to make for the me show look smart. I was like what's that word ubiquity oh i'm going to use that for the show this is going to be a good one
1: i remember i think you pulled that word out when we were in the middle of a like a, a seminar we were doing and i was like what who is this person i know there we go i'm on leveling our presentation right now
0: but essentially the topic of intrinsic motivation versus extrinsic motivation is something literally that is ubiquitous. It, it does run through every single sector of our life.
1: Yeah. And I think that, you know, first of all, all motivation is not created equal. That's what I always say. Um, you know, we have intrinsic motivation and extrinsic motivation. So extrinsic motivation is something that we get by external rewards it's an external thing that is motivating our behavior whereas intrinsic motivation is the inherent satisfaction we get from doing something you know i like to give the example of playing basketball there might be two people playing basketball with completely different motivators one might be extrinsically motivated he wants to win he wants a And the other might play basketball because he likes playing basketball. It's fun. He enjoys it, you know? So I think that in the world of, I was going to say education, but really just like kids in general, people in general, you know, we rely so much on those external rewards, but there is just piles and piles of research showing that external rewards do not increase motivation. It actually decreases motivation.
0: The irony of the way that education is set up, because if you think about it, kids get grades and grades are an external reward, right? So they're working towards getting a good grade. That's the external reward, right? So on a foundational level or a systematic level in education, we've even got it to that point. So we talk about what would be an intrinsically motivating way to assess the students and children that we work with. Right. So one strategy would be self-reflection and, you know, at the end of the semester you would have the students kind of give a do it yourself self-reflection report of how do you think that you perform this semester? So they're constantly gauging their performance. Mm, That's a good
1: example. That's what we do in my clinic is we do self performance reviews.
0: And think about this Um, when you're working in therapy, when the kids know what their IEP goals are or their goals in a private practice and the kids are motivated to want to work towards those goals, then what you would do is have a self-reflection, you know, during the objective time of how do you think you're performing? And then we would look back and look at how we think that they're doing. We would compare where they're at and we would build from there, you know?
1: So let's get some examples of maybe commonly used external rewards. If you're live, chime into the chat and let us know maybe external rewards you see often or maybe ones that you maybe rely on as a parent. Um,
0: Okay. So I will tell you one that's extremely common and give you an example that hits home for a lot of people. If you're not a parent, then you were uh, once a child (laughs) who went through this. Now it's the idea of allowance money. Allowance money is a good thing. I love allowance money, right? it's
1: like uh, getting paid for chores. Is that what you're saying?
0: Let me finish. So (laughs) allowances, yes, exactly where I was going to go with. Allowances are great because it gives the child a sense of saving money, a sense of autonomy, which is the ability to save up to buy the things that they want, a sense of responsibility. Now, what about chores? Are those a good thing? Yes, those are a good thing too because chores – to help teach the kid that you're a family connected of wanting to keep the house clean, a sense of responsibility. But what happens when you combine the two, when you attach two good things, oftentimes you get a bad outcome. It doesn't work like synergy. So let me give you an example of that. You say, Hey, you know what? I am going to give my child $5 for taking out the trash every Tuesday. What ends up happening is that the child takes out the trash based on that external reward based on that $5. So when there's no attachment to the $5, guess what? They're not going to take out the trash. No child wants to, to clean the dishes. No child wants to make their bed or clean up the stuff from the dog in the backyard or mow the lawn or all of those things, right? But they do if over time we teach them that intrinsic drive. And that intrinsic drive is, Hey, when we work as a family together, we are keeping the house clean. We are keeping things organized. It's a good feeling when we're done with things. This is a very, very helpful thing as they move along in life for the future.
1: Yeah. That reminds me of, it's on another episode where I mentioned this, where you were, you were responsible for all the three kids and you guys were out doing like all of the yard work, but you were, they were all having so much fun. Cause it was like, a fun activity to do as a family. It wasn't like, oh, go water the plants and I'll give you five dollars.
0: Right, right, right. I'll give you the example on that one. We have this like lemon tree in the backyard, but the lemons that fall on the ground that get rotten, they kind of just take up some areas. So I was with the kids. It's like, hey, you guys want to help me clean up? What we're going to do is we're going to try to earn some points by taking the lemon and tossing it into that trash. They're like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, it doesn't matter how many points you get. All that matters is that we're going to have fun as a family doing it. And so voila, uh, dirty, rotten old lemons that were chewed up by the squirrels were no longer on the ground. They were in the trash can. So it was just a fun way. Now, I want you to think about this, though. With that idea in speech therapy, is it beneficial to have the child or the student? Because I work with teenagers. Is it beneficial to attach a reward to the activities that we're doing? Well, we already know the science behind it, right? We already know that extrinsic rewards take away from creativity, they reduce productivity, and they're not as effective. So what can we do?
1: Let me let's talk about let's some talk of that about research that. first. Yeah, yeah. Because it's really incredible. There's this author, very famous author, Daniel Pink, and he talks about how the research on external rewards is some of the most fascinating yet completely ignored research in history yep. because they don't work, but we still use them. Why do we use them if we know that they're not going to help us? So we can talk, maybe we could give that example. There was, there's been many, many studies on this is just one example where they took a preschool classroom and they started telling half of the students, if you draw, you'll get a ribbon. And the other half they didn't offer that to. So what they found over time is that the kids who were rewarded for drawing actually started drawing less in their free time. So it went against them. And you guys have put in some really great examples of rewards in the chat. Um, People are talking about, using an iPad as a reward time, like if you do this, then you'll get a few minutes on the iPad, really anything that you do with if then someone chimed in food. If you eat your broccoli, then you'll get a slice of cake. Um, Like you said, giving money, giving a break is a reward. So yeah, those are some really good examples. Um, But the other thing that's really that I really wanted to bring up was the work of Alfie Cohen, who wrote the book called Punished by Rewards. And he shed some light on external rewards during one of his interviews that was just such a light bulb moment for me, which is he said that, you know, rewards can get one thing under certain conditions. And that one thing is temporary compliance. Mic drop. That's right good. right right temporary compliance and the other thing that he says that i don't think we think about that often is that when we use rewards we are automatically creating this power differential between us and the other person it's like if i were to tell chris hey um i will i'm give an example if you watch Bachelorette with me, I will give you a massage. It's like, <laughs> I would eat that up. right? But it's like, I'm hanging it over your head. Like I am the one who gets to make the decisions around here. You have to subject yourself to whatever it is that I'm saying you have to do in order to get that. And that happens so often in our therapy. It's well, if you do this activity, then you get a break. Or if you get, if you do this thing, I choose, then you get to do what you want to do after it's like, automatically creates a power differential.
0: Absolutely. And so I agree with you, the if then statements we try to reframe from, um, sometimes and in the immediate effect of the reward, they can be useful. So if it's for a very short term, quick thing, then it's useful. For concrete example, concrete quick, doesn't
1: involve a lot of abstract thinking like put that in the bucket and then we'll go outside.
0: Yeah. It's like when uh, a recipe, like if you follow these directions, then you're going to get the mac and cheese um, (laughs) tasting good, right? It's a short-term thing. The other thing to think about when it comes to these things is you have to ask yourself the question, is this sacrificing autonomy and mastery and purpose? Is this sacrificing one's ability to make choices as they move forward in life? So if then can work on a very short-term basis, But we also have to be cautious, and this is really, really, really important. Doing something that's easy doesn't mean it's effective. So Sometimes we say, you know what, I'm going to use an if-then chart and provide rewards. Like every five stars this kid gets, they're going to get the reward at the end. Yeah, that's easy, and it can give you the data real quickly, but it doesn't mean it's effective or ethical. The thing
1: is I think we rely on them because it makes our job easier. We think, oh, hey, this comes this kid comes into session. And it's really, it's equal, it's making the playing field equal. It's like I'm not more important than you, this child we're working with. Yeah, we can do whatever you want to do today and we'll still be able to target your goals. But it would be easier for me to pay $2.99 for a TPT worksheet and bring it in and tell the kid, if he says no, for me to say, Well, if you do it, then we can play on the iPad. You know, it it is but the point is that it doesn't work over time. It's not gonna make them want to do that anymore in the future. If you give a child chocolate cake every time they eat broccoli, it's not gonna make them want to eat broccoli in the future.
0: Right. Daniel Pink, uh, the author that we discussed, describes three things that are needed. So we've shared why not to use external rewards, but I also wanna talk about, and you're really good about this, the three real quick hits. What are the three things that drive internal or that intrinsic motivation? Like what keeps us going? First one's autonomy, right? The ability to make a choice that we all want that. So think about in therapy, how that would look. You have the kid come up with the activities that they want. It's like, here is your goal. What kind of activity, what kind of game, what would you like? Speech therapy is not my time. It's your time, buddy. I'm going to let you get to choose the game, right? So autonomy, making As, the choice. It's the
1: difference between, you know, imagine you showing up for work and your boss saying, okay, well, eight, I need you to see this kid. At 8.30, I need you to write this report. At nine, I need you to call these parents, right? Rather than your boss saying, okay, well, here are all the things I want you to get done this week. I don't care where you get them done, even how you get them done, what time you choose, right? That's going to make yeah. you more motivated to do it because it's on your own schedule your own volition.
0: Right, absolutely. Here's what it would look like at the schools when it comes to autonomy, which I would absolutely love when, for those of you that are working in education or those of you that are parents, the way it works is that when a staff member retires or moves on to a different career or moves on to a different school, what happens is that um, all of these positions are flown on a website and then they apply and that applicant sits in front of either the principal or one administrator maybe the department chair and then they select that person how about autonomy how about getting maybe like a 1 minute video or a 1 minute or a, just a one page resume and you give it to the department and the department gets to come up with who they choose that they want to work with that is what intrinsic motivation is about <laughs> You're choosing who you want to work with.
1: That's like back to our old sorority bid meetings. You didn't get that.
0: I didn't get that. Experience. <laughs> to, no, but I uh, I went to some uh, some fun college parties where there was <laughs> sorority girls there.
1: Yeah, next episode we'll <laughs> touch on that. It's
0: on a different podcast. We'll talk about that. <laughs> so with Joe Rogan.
1: Let's talk about <laughs> number 2. So first thing that that intrinsically drives people is autonomy. The sec autonomy. The second is mastery. When we get better at things over time, that drives us to continue. So I feel like you probably have a lot of good examples. So
0: mastery, think about it. A kid playing Minecraft is intrinsically motivated to play Minecraft because they're constantly building and making and being creative. They don't have anything taking away from their creative productivity because they're the ones that are in control. So they have autonomy because they get to choose and move and build and do whatever the heck they want they can build on that mastery because they can see, Hey, I've decided to build this huge enterprise. And,
1: um, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. You can chime in. I was going to say, I just thought about this when I was playing guitar because it was like, it's like one of those things where you might learn a few chords and then you learn how to play a song, which is really fun. But then after, you know, the song really well, you want to learn something new. Right. Right. Right.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And the the third thing. We should talk about the third thing.
1: Yeah. But first let's relate that to kids because I oh, think yeah, yeah. in our sessions, that's one thing is that how do we let kids know, like how do we challenge them, but in the right ways, right? Because if they come in and things are too easy or you hear about parents saying, well, he wasn't stimulated enough in the classroom. It wasn't, it wasn't hard enough for him. So we moved him up a grade. Right, Parents will say that. They have to be stimulated in order to really be motivated to be there. So doing things for kids that are fun, but are actually helping them grow. And I think as you get into working with older students, then, like you said, being able to self-reflect and talk about that.
0: Yeah, I agree. Absolutely
1: and the third one.
0: Well, before we do that, there was a great question that I'm sure listeners and viewers are going to really want this answer because the question says, what about in the classroom when kids can't just choose what they want to do all day? And that is so true. It um, The idea is um, behind how do we support that? So I want to talk about a couple things on that. Carol Dweck came up, I don't want to say came up with, but she's kind of a big backer of the idea of growth mindset. We talked about this in the last episode about praising effort over achievement. So when we see kids that are doing things um, and they are becoming successful at them, we want to praise their effort. Hey, you know what? I noticed on your artwork that it's coming out really nice because I noticed you paid a little bit more attention to it. I've noticed that you've um, spent a little bit more time doing it. Right, Rather than saying, you did so great on this artwork, you're so smart. And that really ties into the same concept of if then. If you complete your artwork, then I'm going to praise you. And then what ends up happening is we overpraise and then the kids are reliant on us. So in class.
1: I want to say reliant. reliant Relying on the praise. No, but that like it's not as meaningful to them. It's not as meaningful. It's a bigger thing.
0: I think you're right. Yeah. So it's not as meaningful. So when we tie it into the class, we still want kids to learn that they have, they can still do difficult tasks, even when they don't want to do it because the intrinsic motivation is learning the outcomes of it. But there has to be that mastery part, right? Kids don't want to do things if they don't find purpose in it, which is number three, which ties into that question as well. So any activity we do, whether it's at home and it's a chore or it's homework given to a child or it is with a speech therapy session or a lesson that we're working on. There has to be purpose to it. Nobody wants to do things if there's not a purpose in doing it. Like Think about this. Kids get home and they have homework from their teacher. We have to ask ourselves a couple questions. Is this child feeling like there's a purpose on doing this because sometimes work that's given for homework is just busy work, right? It's just trying to tie into that rote memory. So we want to think about shifting the idea from homework into home learning. How do we do that? The three things we talked about. So if homework shifts into home learning, that might be something as Well, is this activity that I'm giving the child to do after school or when they leave speech therapy, um, the lesson that we're giving, is this something that they can make a choice on selecting how they want to do it? Right. So if they're going to do a lesson or an activity on the um, the Revolutionary War, then, hey, you can go ahead and drop a map or you can create a PowerPoint or a Google slide or just do a one minute TikTok video like you get to choose. The mastery is if you don't, if you're feeling like you're getting better at it. And then that third thing, the purpose, well, the purpose of getting this done is that overall, the big picture is you're building your skill sets over time. So you can continue progressing with learning. You can continue progressing in education. You can continue to make mom and dad happy.
1: And one of my favorite (laughs) things is when people say, Oh well, we use external rewards every day. You go to work um, because you're paid. You know, you make money, and that's the point, though. Is that's why people aren't happy in jobs where they're just making money. They're happy in jobs where they have autonomy, mastery, and a purpose behind what they're doing. So that's something that you know we can so easily tie into our own lives. But also just to touch on that question about, you know, kids don't always get to choose what they do during the day. The point is not really about, oh, let them choose always and that will be motivating. But something that we always talk about is it doesn't matter what the activity is. It can be motivating. Like in our house, brushing teeth is fun because we also brush the teeth of the imaginary dragon that lives in our house. You know, in our house, picking up toys is fun because we pretend that the toys are ants and we're trying to pick them up from the rug. So it's a lot more, I think, about Um, dropping that expectation we have or that feeling of that power differential, like I'm so important and you have to listen to what I say and get on the kid's level and think about how can I make this fun? And chances are, if you are having fun yourself, the kid is having fun.
0: That's how it works. I think tying back into the ideas too, when we talk about speech therapy is that Ability to use a variety of ways to communicate, because that's intrinsically motivating for a student. If they don't feel like Mm -hmm. verbalizing their question to the teacher or to take a break or requesting an accommodation in the IEP, then, hey, you know what? You can do it however you want. You know, what? send the teacher an email or hold up like one of those Minecraft um, emotion cards like, hey, I'm not feeling so good, or using an AAC device, a robust AAC communication, whatever it might be, right? We're giving access to choose. That's autonomy. Choose the way you want to communicate. And that ties directly back into when we differentiate our activities in speech. So rather than saying, hey, we're going to do a writing activity or we're going to do a activ- an activity where we're... Um, verbalizing or using, you know, exchanging that way, allowing the child to make that choice, building on autonomy. I can't stress that enough.
1: Yeah. So we are so glad you guys came to have this conversation with us today. We can talk about this for a long, long time. Like I said, this is just a peek into our fascination with intrinsic motivation, but we look forward to continuing this conversation with you and we hope that you got to learn something new today
0: yes indeed until next time have a great rest of your day peace
1: if you enjoyed today's episode hit subscribe write a review or share it with a friend
0: thanks for tuning in we'll catch you next time